What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I am your girl, Tiffany E. I am one-fourth of your co-hosts, Alexis, Janae, and Nicole. Welcome back to the show. So today, we're going to do a recap of tonight's NXT In Your House. Now, there are five matches on the docket for NXT In Your House, and I'm going to try to give you guys a 20-minute recap. I'm going to try, because I know I get long-winded, and I'm so descriptive with my storyline recaps. They're beautiful. They're amazing because I'm amazing. Any hoosies. Listen, we're going to start off with the big kahuna. Let's go back from the beginning with the big matches and then go to the end with the smaller matches. Hmm? Let's do that. So we're going to start off with the numero uno, the NXT championship which right now is under the ownership of Braun Breaker. You know Braun Breaker, the big, buff, handsome-looking white guy who is Rick Steiner's son. He's a generational talent. He's very attractive, nice-looking man. He's the kind of guy you would find, and, you know, he's going to pick you up and hold you in the right places to do the necessary things. That ain't any of your business. So I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the story. Okay? Anyway, <laughs> Braun Breaker is your champion. And he has been attacked, brutalized, mentally, physically, emotionally, in every way possible by Joe Gacy. You know Joe Gacy, that creepy guy who's always trying to be politically correct and Give us the other side of the world. We'll cancel culture rules and we're all inclusive for everyone in the most creepy and diabolical way we can be. He's the enforcer of cancel culture. At least that's what I like to call him. (sighs) Let's go down the rabbit hole of Joe Gacy versus Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. This all started some months back. Braun Breaker had regained the NXT championship and he had become champion again. And all was right in the world until Joe Gacy reared his creepy little head. You see, Joe Gacy was hell bent on being NXT champion. So much so that he kidnapped Rick Steiner and tortured him for two weeks until Braun Breaker found, quote-unquote, his father. Joe Gacy even took his father's brand-new, just-given WWE Hall of Fame ring and burned it in the fire and then picked it up and put it on his hand to singe it to his finger. Hardcore shit. This was all to prove the sacrifices that he was willing to make to be the champion of NXT. But he wanted to know what sacrifices Braun Breaker was willing to make. And well, Braun Breaker did make a lot of sacrifices. His own father, for one, almost broke his back being pushed off the top of a podium by Joe Gacy for two. And for three, well, he damn near sacrificed his sanity. You see, Joe Gacy has been tormenting Braun Breaker for weeks, testing his mental fortitude. He 
He's even had his own minions, his own druids coming out there and mentally fucking with Braun Breaker. Every single week, Gacy ups the ante, finding ways to throw Braun Breaker off his, you know, off his scent. Well, when spring breaking came around, this was Gacy's chance. He just knew he had those titles in the back. Well, he lost. Brian Breaker was able to retain and win. And of course, Joe Gacy was not having that. So after the match was over, the Druids attacked after he attacked. And they carried Brian Breaker out on their little pseudo stretcher. Everybody was like, what does this mean? The simplest explanation is it means that the feud between Gacy and Braun Breaker was not over. And that it was going to continue until the next pay-per-view. And continue it had. Joe Gacy continued to mindfuck Braun Breaker every single chance he got. And he knew that it didn't take much to push Breaker over the edge. He knows that Breaker is very much a hothead. And when you're a hothead and you're not thinking clearly, you tend to make mistakes. So now Joe Gacy has used that to his advantage. Youth can sometimes be a curse. Because in your youth, you throw caution to the wind. And you don't think things through. Age can be a blessing. Because you've experienced the trials and tribulations of youth. And you understand that caution and thinking clearly can get you so much farther. Well, Joe Gacy made a stipulation that they agreed to do, to stand by. The stipulation is if Braun Breaker gets disqualified for any reason, any reason at all, Joe Gacy would be your new NXT champion. So Joe Gacy has used this stipulation to lord over Braun Breaker for the last couple of weeks. Until now. The question you have to ask yourself. Is Brian Breaker going to be able to maintain his emotions in order to beat Joe Gacy? We all know that Gacy is well versed in the mental mind fuck. And knows how to tear a person inside out. I mean look what he did for Harlan. But we also know that Brian Breaker has overcome the odds multiple times. So who do you choose? Do you choose the mental assassin that is Joe Gacy? Or do you go with the brute strength of Braun Breaker? I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that both of these men could carry on the next phase of NXT. I believe that it would be interesting to see what Joe Gacy would do as NXT champion. I also believe that Braun Breaker is an excellent candidate to continue on being NXT champion. So I guess the question still remains, who do you choose? And I really don't know. I would be okay with either man winning that championship. But I guess I'm more curious about what Joe Gacy would do and how they would go forward with Gacy. Case characters like Gacy usually work better when they're chasing after the prize, not when they get it. And usually they have a hard time maintaining the anonymity of that character, the spookiness of that character 
when they become champion. Not everybody can be like the Undertaker. And while he still was able to maintain all that he became as the Undertaker with his omnipotent character, there comes a question in that comes into play is if Joe Gacy becomes the champion, how will that play out for the rest of NXT and who will be his next challenger? How will that work in terms of him ruling over NXT? And I think that sort of unknown is what has me very intrigued. However, on the flip side, the question for Brown Breaker would be, is who would be his next opponent? Who is qualified to go up against Brown Breaker after Joe Gacy? Who would you send? Roderick Strong? Zion Quinn? Santos Escobar? Carmelo Hayes? Solo? I mean, he has plenty of opponents that he could choose from. Solo would be a very good choice. But as I said, there's something intriguing about Joe Gacy being NXT champion. And if I were head of NXT, I'd pull the trigger on it and see where it goes. Braun Breaker has done enough to get him enough traction to start building his career on the main roster. They need more bodies and I would send him up immediately. But that's just me. So let's move on to the next match. Let's go to the NXT Women's Championship. The big kahuna for the women's division is held up by an overtly sexual little weirdo of a woman, Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose and her crew of toxic attraction have really ruled over NXT's women's division. Everything that has been thrown at her has literally been stopped, destroyed, and cut down by toxic attraction. There has been no one who's been able to stop their momentum or take anything from them, except for Raquel and Dakota. They were able to get the titles away from toxic attraction, to which they ended up winning back the very next day. Mandy Rose has been in a bit of a funk as of lately, being tormented by the ever effervescent and bubbly Wendy Chu. Wendy Chu has done some funny things to Mandy, from fucking up her tan to where she looks like Larry the Lobster's wife, to shooting her with silly string and some type of strange smelly liquid, to smacking her in the face with a sack of balls, to which I think that's something that she regularly has had happen to her, and I don't think that she is really that surprised by those balls hitting her in the face. However, Wendy has been able to get the drop on Mandy Rose week after week after motherflipping week, and every week she's found another way to get under the skin of toxic attraction. And now... Her efforts have paid off. Now it's Wendy Chu versus Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship. So, what do we do now? 
and who's going to win that championship. So now, question is, who do you choose? Do you choose the effervescent, bubbly, funny, quirky Wendy Chu? Or do you go after the dominant women's champion, Mandy Rose? I hate to say this because I love Wendy. And for all of you Wendy Chu haters, just remember that back in the day, all of you fuckers who are my age were sitting in the crowd or sitting at home cheering for Eugene. Yeah, Eugene. Doink the clown. Yeah. You are. You are cheering for them. So. Let's not go there. Okay. Let's not go there. Anyways. Unfortunately for Wendy. I don't see them putting the title on Wendy anytime soon. And I really think that they're gearing up for Alba Fire to take over as NXT Women's Champion, or they more than likely will give that title to Roxanne. Either way, Mandy isn't dropping that title to Wendy. In fact, she probably isn't dropping that title until the next Peacock pay-per-view for NXT. I don't know when that is because the NXT pay-per-views are so sporadic. You never know. But with all that being said, I'm very glad that Wendy is getting a title shot. And I'm happy that her character has gotten over enough for her to be able to get a title shot. Wendy's a great wrestler and her character development is beyond amazing. She doesn't get the respect that she's due, but one day people will learn to appreciate her quirkiness and this beautiful character that she was able to create. One day you all will appreciate Wendy Chu for her range and what she's capable of doing. I mean, think about it. She went from being Maying, a mystical, evil character, to being this bubbly, effervescent, wonderful character that is always happy, always fun, and really just giving the girls the business in the most quirky and unique ways possible. If you can't appreciate that, then you have no sense of humor and you're no fun. And with that being said, we're going to move on to the next match. Toxic Attraction have been champions, two-time champions for quite some time now. And Katana and Kaden Carter have been circling around those titles since they have created their tag team. The odd thing about this particular championship bout is that Katana and Kaden have been tag team partners longer then Gigi and JC have been tag team partners, and yet they have never been able to touch those tag team championships. Every tag team that has come before them and held those titles were put together of singles competitors. Now, while JK, Kaden, and Katana were both put together as singles competitors to create the tag team that they have, they have been a tag team longer than every single women's tag team champion that has held those titles. And that in itself is disrespectful. Kaden and Katana have made it very clear that they are tired of waiting for opportunities and they are going to make their own. While Wendy Chu was getting beat down outside, the two girls came out there to help, evening the odds against Toxic Attraction. Toxic Attraction hadn't had any suitors in a while, 
seeing as how there ain't really many tag teams in the company to begin with. But they haven't had any suitors in a while. So they decided to entertain the idea of these two buffoons coming up against them when they've been dominant champions this whole fucking time. Nobody's going to take these titles from us. We are toxic attraction. We are the attraction. And you, you're just a groupie. Well, Katana and Kaden are not having it. they like, girl, you have never gone up against a team like us. And every time you walk around and claim that you're the best and you haven't beaten the best, I find that to be very interesting. With all that being said, the girls have now gained an opportunity at those tag team titles. At In Your House, it's going to be Katana and Kaden versus JC and Gigi Dolan. Now, who's going to will out? The storyline between these four isn't really that long. It's fairly simple. Kaden and Katana want the titles that Gigi and JC have been coveting. They want the titles. The only way to get them is to have a match. And so the match was set. So who do you choose? Do you choose the dominant champions of Toxic Attraction? Or do you go for the newcomers who you know for sure have the chops to beat said dominant champions? I'm going to bet my money on Kaden and Katana. I think that they are going to beat Toxic Attraction. And this is going to be the beginning of the descent of Toxic Attraction. But what do I know? I'm just a lowly podcaster. And you're just listening to my storyline recaps. With all that being said, let's move on to the next story. You only got two more. I promise. Be quick. So let's move on to the next match. Which is Cameron Grimes to the moon. And the smooth and ever-flowing Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams in tow. Now, this feud between Carmelo and Cameron, one can say that it started some time ago. Cameron Grimes won the opportunity to go up against Carmelo, and he lost. And he almost lost his way for a little bit. He felt like he had let himself down and he let his father down. Now, I didn't know that his father was a wrestler. But he's a second-generation star, too. May not be a second-generation WWE star, but he's a second-generation wrestling star. And Cameron Grimes was hell-bent on proving that he was going to get that title. That he deserved it. And that he knew that he was going to make his father proud. The dying wish of a father was to have his son be a champion. Cameron Grimes was going to make good on that promise. So we set out to prove a point. Had his little bout with Duke Hudson because Duke Hudson, of course, was pissed that Cameron Grimes was able to best him in a poker match. And then he started making his way to that North American championship. Carmelo Hayes being the ever so arrogant and confident champion that he is, had blown through the whole roster, including Cameron Grimes. And he decided that he was going to have a ladder match tournament. The ladder match was set to have anybody who wanted to compete against him all at once compete for that championship. Well, they all entered, and Cameron Grimes was the one who came out with the title. Cameron Grimes had made a promise that he was going to get that championship, and he made good on that promise, and he became the new North American champion. 
Well, that didn't sit too well with Solo Sequoia or Carmelo Hayes. Both men were determined to end Cameron Grimes' reign very early. So they had a triple threat match to which Cameron Grimes won. And this continued out to having Cameron Grimes and Carmelo Hayes go at it for weeks. It was a battle of wits and more specifically of who is going to will out. Carmelo Hayes had made it clear that he had already had the taste of gold and he knows what it takes to win it. Cameron Grimes just won on a fluke. Had he had wrestled him one-on-one, -on -one, he could have easily beat him. And this little to-the-moon shit would be over. Cameron is like, I'm a fighting champion, so I'll fight you anytime, anywhere. Well, the decision was made to put Cameron Grimes and Camelo Hayes on a collision course for In Your House. The two men had been battling in tag teams and in solo matches and, of course, in interferences of their matches for weeks. And now it's finally coming to a head. The battle for the championship and who is going to win. Is it going to be the smooth talking, quick moving, overtly talented Carmelo Hayes? And he has a little ace in the hole with Trick Williams. Or is it going to be the always at the ready, smiling, styling, and profiling Cameron Grimes, who has fought against the odds to become the North American champion, and for the most part, has done an amazing job defending it. So who do you choose? The hometown boy or the smooth-talking I guess you can call him an anti-hero. Again, both of these men are very much capable of being amazing champions. We have already seen what Carmelo Hayes is capable of. We know that he's good at his job. We know that he can do the job. The question is, what can Cameron Grimes do besides what he's already done as champion? I mean, I love Cameron. I think Cameron is fun and he's great at being champion. But I want to see what he can do outside of Carmelo. Carmelo has had bouts with multiple champions, with multiple opponents. Whereas Cameron has only circled the grounds of Solo and Carmelo. I really want to see how he fares up against somebody else like possibly, hate to say it, Grayson Waller or even Santos Escobar. Or someone else like Tony D'Angelo. I think I'm going to bet my money on Cameron Grimes. I think Cameron isn't done yet. And he is most definitely going to continue to fight as the North American champion. And we'll see how it plays out from there. So now it's time to move on to the next match. Pretty Deadly have been holding on to those tag team titles for the Kree Brothers for far too long. The Kree Brothers have had their eye on those tag team titles ever since they almost won them at the last pay-per-view. Their titles were essentially ripped from their hands by Pretty Deadly. And then they had the opportunity to win them from them and Roderick Strong cost them the opportunity. 
Time and time again, the pre, the Creed brothers come this close to winning those championships. And something comes up and gets in their way. They almost beat Imperium, but Imperium was able to best them after being beat down. They almost beat Pretty Deadly, but something else got in the way and Pretty Deadly was able to retain the championships. And now we're here. Roderick Strong has been getting in the way, causing more problems than not by costing them opportunities or trying to have them cheat to win. The Creed brothers are all about doing everything straightforward and down the line. If they can't win on their own, they don't want it. And Roderick Strong is all about winning at all costs. So he's given them an ultimatum. You either win those tag team championships or you're out of here. You will no longer be a part of Diamond Mine. So now the Creed brothers have more of an incentive to win those tag team championships. Or do they? Pretty Deadly's made quite the name for themselves coming over to the WWE's NXT. They've been in WWE's NXT UK as the tag team champions and were wreaking havoc in that company. Coming over to the States is a different breed. They've got a lot of work to do. And a lot of people still are trying to get their feel to feel out pretty deadly. They give off major Fabio vibes in not a good way. Their wrestling skills are not nothing less than great. But their look is a little dated and weird. However, I totally understand and get their look and their ability to make people uncomfortable. Live your best life. I like characters who have depth and Pretty Deadly has depth. However, the question is, who do you want to maintain that tag team division and lord over it with some decency and respect? Is it Pretty Deadly? Or is it the Kree Brothers? If you ask me, the Kree Brothers are the guys that you should have holding those tag team titles. I think putting the titles on Pretty Deadly was premature. I think you could have had the Kree Brothers attacking Pretty Deadly or having Pretty Deadly attack the Kree Brothers and still have given the, the titles to the Kree Brothers. This all could have been done and worked out pretty easily in a storyline. But they decided to go with the obvious and give the titles to Pretty Deadly, which I still think was a major mistake. The Kree Brothers will eventually be champion. And I'm hoping that that eventually is this Saturday. But we shall see. And finally, we come to the final match on the docket, which is Legado del Fantasma versus Tony D'Angelo Lorenzo and Donovan. Their real names are Troy and something when they call them Stacks and Two Dimes, but I refuse to call two grown men Stacks and Two Dimes. Call them Lorenzo and Donovan. It's simple, easy, and it gives off mafia vibes. Jesus. WWE sometimes just does too fucking much, bro. Anyway, this one actually has a little bit of a storyline. 
Legato Del Fantasma has been a faction in NXT for quite some time. And Tony D'Angelo has been running around calling himself the Don of NXT. Has stepped on a few toes. Of course, Tony D'Angelo was like, I'm the new guy around. I beat Champa. I put him out. I'm the guy. And then Santos Escobar is like, dude, <laughs> you got a lot to learn. You're young. You'll get there. But you're no Don. This led to a lot of, how can you put it, interference from Tony D'Angelo and Santos Escobar. At one point, Tony D'Angelo hit Santos Escobar in the leg with a crowbar, to which the favor was returned by a Santos Escobar to Tony D'Angelo in one of his matches. The trade-offs were going back and forth and back and forth, and it just kept happening. Until they decided to have a sit-down at spring break-in, they called the truce. I won't touch you, you won't touch me, I'll mind my business, and you'll mind yours. Cool. Amazing. And off they were, until Santos Escobar and Fantasma were in the parking lot, and Tony's right-hand man was in the parking lot, sending Tony off. They kidnapped him. And this sent Tony into a frenzy. See, the right-hand man kept Tony calm, kept him from making irrational decisions. But when he's gone and he's not there to whisper in his ear the right thing to do, Tony goes off the handle and he's a hothead. Emotions always cloud your better judgment. And I think Santos Escobar knew that. And he exploited that one weakness in Tony. Take away his safe space and he becomes a madman. How do you torment the Don? By removing the one man who can keep him calm. And so now we've come to an ending of the truce. Led to a full-on brawl at NXT. Both sides were fighting for control of NXT. So who do you give the control to? Do you give it to the OG, the original? Legado del Fantasma has been running NXT for quite some time in their own little sick way. And then you have the newcomer, Tony D'Angelo, and his goons, the Don, as he likes to put it. He's a newcomer trying to find his mark and place his foot in history of NXT and really solidify himself as a plausible threat to the WWE's NXT Championship. So who do you choose? Who is going to have control of the franchise? I'm going to put my money on Escobar. He's my favorite. Plus he's hot. And I just like the way he operates. And I feel like if you give Escobar the opportunity to go up against Brian Breaker, you'll have a better feud, it'll be cleaner, and it'll have some substance, some toothsome. Tony D'Angelo is just a weird carbon copy of what he's seen on the streets of Chicago, in movies more specifically. There's really no substance to Tony, and he hasn't shown that he has any range outside of that, but Santos has been able to play anti-hero face and heel all in one hit. We've seen the multi-faces of Santo Escobar. We know what he's capable of. So I'm going to bet my money on Escobar. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this storyline recap for NXT in your house. It's coming up later on tonight at 8 p.m. I hope you guys watch and enjoy. Make sure you guys follow us on our social media at Down for the Count 19 for the Twitter, which is highly active. And of course, at Down for the Count, which is at D4TC underscore podcast for Instagram. We'd like you to do us a massive favor. On all of the platforms that we're available, wherever you listen to us, please, please, please rate our podcast. It really helps the algorithm for each platform and let them know that people love our podcast and they want to see us. They'll push us to the top and we'll be seen by more people. The more people who see us, the more content we can produce and the better our podcast will be. Because then we can be fully dedicated to the podcast and produce it on a more consistent basis. And you guys will hear from us every week, sometimes three, maybe four times a week. And we'll even have sponsorships. It will really help us and help solidify our careers as true wrestling podcasters. With all that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of our storyline recaps for pay-per-views with Tiffany E. And I will see you guys next time. Make sure you stay tuned for the Hell in a Cell recap where I recap all of the Hell in a Cell storylines and give you, to my knowledge and my opinion, the full storyline of each match and let you know who I think is going to win. And of course, there is a podcast coming up for a recap of all the news and Double or Nothing and MJF's infamous promo all that's coming up this week as for our podcast as well so you've got three episodes of down for the count to listen to this week it's a lot going on i hope you guys enjoy it and i'll see you guys next time